Hello, and welcome to the Radical Fabulatorium. I'm your host, John Adam Ian. Okay, on today's episode, I have a conversation with Brandon Williams, the lead singer and songwriter for the Ontario band Chastity. We kind of dive into his writing process, um, what it means to be obsessed with your project, and also finding the courage to pursue it. What he learned from going to the Berklee College of Music down in Boston. He kind of explains what it's like to live with a creative partner, his uh, singer and songwriter partner named Ellis. Check out her tunes. Uh, She's got a couple great releases. We dive into the local scenes, both where he grew up in Whitby, Ontario, and I kind of fill him in on a few details of the New Brunswick scene here in St. John and Sussex and surrounding area. We also talk about going on tour and what it's kind of like to be a clothing store, a traveling clothing store in disguise. And yeah, here we go. My chat with Brandon Williams from Chastity. Hello. Hey, is this Brandon? Hey, yeah, it is. How's it going? Good, how are you? Good, good. Thanks a lot. Uh, This is Jay from the show, The Radical Fabulatorium. Of course. Yeah, totally. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. Thanks for coming on the, uh, the show. I really appreciate it. Totally. All right. Um, I just want to start with how I came across you. Actually, I heard the song uh, "Drain the Bloodbath" on the Strombo show. Wow, cool! And uh, what stuck out to me really was the bridge, like the female vocals that come in. Come, I mean, it's a great song, but when the female vocals came in, I was like, "What is going on here?" And I was just, I just wanted to ask you about that right <laughs> out of the gates. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of a like an outlier single. Like it was never on a larger release. It was just sort of a song I wanted to drop along the way and um I I just sort of heard an epic bridge there and um I loved this vocalist Makita Francisco um and I had heard her I don't know if you remember the band Girls um she sang backup for girls uh for years and I think I just had it in mind that it would be sweet if there was ever a fit on a song to ask her and mm-hmm. found her and reached out and she said, yes, of course. And she was out in LA area and it was COVID and, you know, it was yeah. kind of a crazy task to get it done, but had some friends out there that ended up helping record the part and okay. we kind of put it together up here. And so I don't know, it was just, um, it just all kind of worked out in the end, but it's a funny single. I don't think, I don't know if we've ever played it live, um, but people ask about it and, and it's kind of cool that it lives just on the internet and it's like, yeah. And then I'm grateful Strombo played, played it like that. So yeah, yeah, it's cool. That's kind of just out on its own. And um, yeah, just, he just randomly threw it on one night on, on a show and, did you provide any direction for the bridge or you just kind of like left it in her capable hands and said, do what you want to do or? Uh, no. Yeah. I wrote the part. Um, I think I wrote the part with my partner, uh, who's also a musician and, and she ended up actually chopping it up with me and did like the best possible part. Um, yeah, we told her sort of freestyle at the end and just the only direction there was just go high you know mm-hmm. um and she did and it was epic so cool um it turned out better than i 
was even picturing. So oh, I was like, yeah. sick. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's super cool. Yeah, I would. Uh, any every listener should go track it down right away because uh, such a cool song. Uh, but it's funny you mentioned your partner. She she goes under the artist Ellis. Is that right? Totally. Yeah. Exactly. So what's what's? I'll just give you a little tidbit here. A little anecdote is uh, I've been working at this radio station since the last December, so pretty new. And one of the uh, cool. one of the first records that fell onto my desk for me to kind of catalog and and put away was Born Again by Ellis. Sick. And. What's also is strange is when I was looking at the credits, a, a buddy, a friend of a friend, my buddy's roommate, past roommate, Alex Gamble, is listed as an assistant engineer, and he's from St. John. So it's, just, it's kind of a funny little coincidence I just wanted to point out. Whoa. Oh, that's cool. Whoa. It was credited on Born Again? Yeah, on Born Again, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Whoa. But I don't I just, know Alex, but that's sweet. He was yeah, probably that's... just the assistant engineer around at the time, but I just thought it was funny that, because I yeah. just, I just, Heard you mention in an interview the other day that your your partner is Ellis, and I just kind of made me chuckle that that was one of the first albums I ever got handed here at the radio station to, that's so cool. to check out. You know, oh, that's cool, cool. Yeah, Linnea's, uh she just played two shows this weekend, Montreal and Toronto. Um, she's just kind of getting back to it. hadn't played like a venue show, like a proper show, in years. So, mm-hmm. like since March 2020 or something. So, and put out that record, and COVID just really upstaged it <laughs> disrupted it big time she had all these plans and then yeah spoiled it but that's cool yeah um kind of neat but covid kind of covid kind of got in the way of your latest record too right because you had the tracks written in like 2020 before uh, the world fell apart yeah i had written some stuff and then yeah i mean covid messed with people more than me i always felt kind of guilty <laughs> you know, uh, complaining. I've survived it and I'm uh, all, all good. But yeah, I had stuff written and it just kind of delayed releases and stuff for me. But we got to put out Bloodbath and got to put out, you know, a cover and we kind of kept it going. And, and it gave me just like more time to write and try to write the best possible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was no excuse of well this tour is coming up you know or this you know there's always kind of excuse and covid got rid of any excuse so in a way i was grateful to have all that time to try to write gotcha yeah yeah yeah, kind of like um procrastination isn't really a thing anymore because you're kind of locked inside yeah totally exactly yeah yeah and so your your th- the the the, uh, the three full lengths they're part of a trilogy is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're yeah. It's funny. I just um, finished like a like films for each of them. Oh, cool. Um, Deathless. We did like a we did. A, it's hard to describe, but we is there. Sorry, is there. A, I'm just hearing like a slight echo. Oh, no problem. Uh, How about now? I think, check, check, check. <laughs> yeah, that's all good. Sweet. Sorry. I'm just, uh, there's a dog barking too. This is getting chaotic. I'm good. just going to hop in the car. Pretty punk rock. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just, we just finished this trilogy of, uh, films and in 2019 we like oh the echo's still here 
Sorry, I don't mean to be a diva. I'm just hearing my voice back. <laughs> Maybe we could uh, reconnect it or something. Okay. I think I might be gone now. I think I might be gone. So okay. we'll just go for it. All right. Yeah, the fil- yeah you were mentioning the, uh, the films for the, the trilogy. Right. Yeah. So in 2019, we played uh, the first record is Death Lust. And I made a... <laughs> I made a film for that and we performed in front of it as though to like score it and it synced right up. We okay. made it so it would sync right up to the film. Um, and so I wanted to do that for the rest of the albums. And so I've done it now. And I'm, I think that it's sort of the next project I'm hoping to work on is like, I hope to get to tour it, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just show the films like that. Um, and to get to play in front of them and we've, we've cut them down in size. So it's the whole trilogy is 66.6 minutes. Oh, cool. okay yeah so an hour and five minutes and 35 seconds i think is what that means but um yeah so so that's sort of the next project i've been working on and um nothing's like out or announced or whatever nothing the truth is nothing i don't think anything is booked right now but um yeah that's what i've just been working on editing these films stuff you're going to tour the films like so as you're presenting the film you'd be playing the album like start to finish in front of the footage exactly yeah sort of a condensed version of the album okay um yeah to make the total 66.6 okay cool and is that is that connected all to the trilogy like is that um is that uh was that purposeful or is that this is kind of like the a project that came to light after after the releases yeah it's come together just like after but I think I wanted to do films to each of them and for each of them and I've been able to and yeah. And now I just want to, I just want to put them out in the most epic way possible is the truth. Um, and to do it sort of offline and to do it in a way people can experience in person first before we just put them on YouTube and you know, to live and die there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd rather just do it in real life. And there's something cool about like scoring the film in person, like an orchestra in a pit, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? In, in a, to a play that plays behind us. Um, and it was amazing to do that in 2019. And now it's like, okay, I wonder if we can sort of take this across the country and into the States and whatever, you know? So um, I've appreciated your pointers, just Instagram, like on Instagram, just, uh, about new venues and stuff out east, and oh yeah, yeah, because we want to try to get out there. Yeah, so. you're welcome. Oh yeah, we yeah, um, it's pretty exciting here, right? I mean, the population is only so big, so you, you can't get too you can't get too big ideas here. But it's like it's it's exciting with the local music that's coming up, and the bands are really solid. A couple venues are popping up, so it feels uh, pretty exciting, really. Yeah, it seems like it. We loved being out there, like. And like even just Thoughtfly, you know, and, and some of the crew, um, Diner Drugs, and yeah, we just got to meet them. We didn't really totally know a ton of people out there is the truth until mm-hmm. this last trip, and it was cool. And and Liam from Cancer Bats, I think, lives out that way now, and people are obviously moving out there because Ontario is so expensive. So it's just a cool uh, part of Canada, and 
Yeah, it really. It's like is. it feels a little ignored on the touring cycle. Often, you know, mm-hmm. it's like we're coming to Canada and it's just Montreal and Toronto or whatever it's a classic yeah. thing. So it's it's cool to see whenever there's you know what I mean, Moncton and Halifax and you know, absolutely they're worthwhile. Yeah, a lot of people say they're so. touring Eastern Canada, but they really mean like they stop at Quebec City if they get, even get to Quebec City. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of cool Exactly. Like, we could, like Diner Drugs' new EP is solid. There's a band called Dad Patrol that just put out a full length. There's a band called The Mercy Buckets that just put out a full length. Um, all awesome bands. Sorry. Motherhood, another awesome band. Nice. I want to check these. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I can send you a yeah. list of, uh, I can send you a list afterwards too. And then, uh, like, they're bands that have some draw too. So if you were to come out, come out east, uh, yeah. be good to hook up with them. Sweet. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Please send me a list. Yeah. No problem. Um, the, the other thing. So, um, maybe we, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe we can go back to the beginning because I know you're from Whitby and another band. Yep another important band in my in my life and it sounds like your life too and they actually used to come out each all the time like where i'm sitting right now i saw them play in a cafeteria that's just right below my feet um was protest the hero uh, so growing up yeah. in whitby was that um like what was that all about in the in the music scene yeah i mean they were definitely present and they were an epic young band you know and like when i was in grade eight they were in grade 12 just up the hill from me um, at the high school, you know, up the hill. Mm-hmm. And I think there was just like this mystery and this, like, I couldn't believe Protest the Hero was right there. And, um, and then they put out Kazaya when I was in grade nine. Um, and it was epic, like their first full length album or whatever. And a bit of just like a life changer to my, like, group of friends and I think it gave us the sense that it's possible that we could write music that people would hear and mm-hmm. care about um yeah they were pretty epic to Whitby and and yeah they went to the high school I went to Chaos went to the high school I went to like this pretty otherwise it's just like this you know just this normal old high school Anderson collegiate it's called and uh i think there was just like there's credit due to mrs rogers Mm -hmm. uh, a teacher that we all had okay um who i think kind of saw potentially saw something in her students that other people other teachers maybe couldn't see and just sort of instilled courage i think in a group of us um you know to kind of go for it Mm-hmm. Uh, in these sort of unlikely paths that some of us ended up taking. And there have just been, um, and I'm not talking about myself, but there have been success stories, you know, and I think in part due to Mrs. Rogers and people would say it and chaos has shouted her out on his Instagram and stuff. And cool. it's just true about mm-hmm. her. So, um, but yeah, part of zero is epic. And it is epic, and I look up to them, you know, still, and yeah, it's just, it's so cool. They were from Whitby, and yeah, yeah. I mean, Rhodey lived, grew up two doors down from my aunt. Oh, cool. There's just like this mystery <laughs> of like, whoa, I can't believe, you know, Curtis Zero's right here. Um, 
and it was exciting watching them tour so hard and work so hard, go out east every time, you know. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, motivating, eh? Yeah, big time. So it's, it's, it's cool that you mentioned courage because, like, it's, I think it's kind of, I mean, maybe everyone has a teacher that kind of acts that way and builds up courage, but there seems to be a lot of pressure, you know, to go the other way, right? To not, to be told that what you're thinking is impossible. Right. Yeah. The truth is I was told that too. And by a teacher, okay. I was told that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I was told that, I think it's just presumed that it's like, it's a, uh, it's a uh, sort of swim upstream. And I think it's largely true. You know, I hate to say it. It's like, it is a weird, um, uphill kind of path. Um, but I think it's also, I think it's completely possible at the same time, you know, um, I think it's a matter of dedication and I think it's somewhat a matter of obsession. You know, you kind of got to be a little bit obsessed with making it happen. And I'm, I am, I'm completely obsessed with chastity, you know? Um, and, and I, and I, th- I get the sense, you know, from the people I've talked to around me, including, you know, chaos and whoever, mm-hmm. they're obsessed with the, their projects. Like they can't help it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the one it's like, it's possible. I think if you're obsessed with it, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. And I think if someone, I think, I think if someone tells you it's not possible, you sort of spend your whole life proving, trying to prove them wrong or something, right? I think it's like, I think it's actually a little bit helpful mm-hmm. <laughs> like in a way to have a sort of villain character in your mind to work against them. Yeah. Uh, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so shout out that teacher as well. It's fine by me. <laughs> yeah. Someone to so. prove, someone to prove wrong can be, uh, which can be society at large, I guess, but someone to prove wrong. Yeah, you're right. That can be, uh, that can be motivating. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting too, you mentioned like uh, obsession. It's, it's, it's kind of like some people, like it feels like it's not even a choice really. Like I could tell another anecdote from my life is I spent my twenties like touring uh, Canada with my, with my old metal, like tech metal band. But then I went back to school and like ended up working in like industrial manufacturing um, mm, yeah. for like four or five years to kind of like get some money into my pocket. But like by the end of cool. it, I was so distressed and my mental health like totally nosedived. And to be honest, like your album, Homemade Satan, uh, I kind of had that on repeat. Whenever I was in the office at, at work and I could sneak on tunes, like I had that album playing pretty regularly. Um, so it kind of helped get me, get me through a little bit of that bit, bit, bit of that struggle. But then I realized, okay, I don't really have a choice. I have to walk away from this good paying job and get back into the music scene in some capacity. Like it's not really up to me anymore. Love that. Love that. Well, good. And I appreciate you saying, and, and good for you. It, it's a good thing and it's a good thing you do. And, you know, platforming artists and artists that you um, appreciate and, and research like you have and, and listen to. So I appreciate what you're doing. It's an important thing. What was your old project? Uh, my old band was called We the Undersigned. Oh, sick. Okay. I'm going to check that out too. Can you add, would you add that to the list? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> I, wanna, yeah, yeah. I, got, 
Whitby yeah, I don't, we, I don't know if we so. ever played Whitby, but we played down in like Guelph and uh, did we play Oshawa? I can't remember. Um, yeah, yeah, we toured the country a few times, but. That's cool. Yeah, I wonder if you played the dungeon or somewhere. I don't think we did. Oshawa, I feel like we always yeah. tried to get in there, but um, no, we didn't. I don't, we played out East with protest a few times. That's kind of what motivated us, to be honest. We got, our first show we ever booked was with them and it was just like, okay, let's, this is pretty motivating. So let's just try and go for it. Nice. Oh, that's sweet. That's cool. That would have been a good show, I'm sure. Yeah, it was tons of fun. They, they had just, because I was just, was it even out yet? It might have even been before. It might have been just calculated use. But anyway, getting back to wow. like, getting back to pro, uh, yeah. platforming, um, like that's kind of like, you experienced that a bit where like bands, like it's nice when a band brings another band to kind of show off to everyone, right? Like to, to give, it's kind of like everyone's helping each other, like, hey, check out this cool band. We're going to get them to open for us yeah. to kind of pay forward. That's, I guess, what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That, yeah. It's been helpful for us, for sure, whenever someone's brought us out. So, yeah, it's been good. And we've, we've been lucky and we've just sort of said yes a lot because mm-hmm. it's just coincided with probably just a similar experience, you know, with protest asking you guys, like, you know, do you want to play? It's like just similar. Some of our favorite bands, we've just been, it's been an easy, uh, you know, to get to go out and play to their crowd and whatever mm-hmm. and build while building ours. So yeah, we feel lucky. And that's kind of a cool thing about the punk rock scene in general is like, you know, I mean, there's egos everywhere, but like punk rock usually tends to be like pretty tight knit, you know, everyone's pretty chill. Uh, besides the occasional, yeah. occasional asshole or something like that, but yeah, totally. Yeah, again, I mean, the successful people that I've been lucky to meet and get to talk to, and you know, pick their brains or whatever. That's, I think a bit of a theme is that it almost seems like the more successful, the less ego or something. You know, it's like. I haven't experienced a ton of ego getting in the way mm-hmm. of good conversation and people caring about, you know, seeing young men come up. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, there's, it almost gets weeded out. You know, it's like, I think those people kind of get cut a little from opportunity if an ego mm-hmm. is getting too big or something. And, and those people tend maybe not to get the opportunity and not get the spot, you know, not get the play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's been a lesson for me in a way, you know, if I ever wanted sort of an ego, uh, if I ever wanted to speak up for myself or something in an egotistical kind of way, mm-hmm. if I'm ever feeling sort of insecure in an instant, I think it's just been a reminder, a good reminder to just check myself and, mm-hmm. So, you know, um, so. Do you think too, like if the yeah. ego is, the bands with the um, bigger egos, they also have like inflated expectations. So things don't happen quick right. enough and they just kind of throw in the towel, you know, because they, they feel like it hasn't happened for them right away. Like it should have. That's a really good point. I think that's totally it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think people are a bit taken aback probably by a long list of demands and, you know, I think kind of being somewhat easygoing 
and and a bit wide eyed. I still feel quite wide eyed and and amazed by the whole thing and and lucky to be a part of it. <laughs> so and it's genuine, you know. So I I, I think we try not to have a list of demands because like the vision has just been fulfilled. I feel like it's just surreal at this point. It's all bonus. I'm just like just happy to be there. You get what I mean? Yeah. So. Um, and the truth is I want it to keep going. So I don't want to, you know, um, rub our peers in the wrong way or people we look up to, especially in the wrong way. So we're just like, whatever's easiest for the process. I'm down. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You want to so. just be grateful for it all, be humble and not, uh, just kind of be lucky that you're in the same room as some of people you looked up to really. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's funny too. I remember like, so yeah. when I was 17 in small town in Sussex, um, in New Brunswick, there was no scene or whatever. Yeah. So me, me and my buddy just decided to start the scene. So we started booking bands and, uh, like we, we didn't, didn't know at all what we were doing, but then all of a sudden we started getting sent riders by like, um, quote unquote, bigger bands, you know, that would come to town like Monine and Silverstein and stuff. And, and we were like, what is this list of demands? Like, what do you mean beer? We're 17. We can't, we can't buy you beer. Oh. That's funny, actually. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. You just started booking them. So, and did you book Monine back in the day? Yeah, yeah. We booked Monine. We booked um, the Full Blast. Who were, they? They were they shredded. Nice. Man. They were so good. And uh, we actually booked Alexis on Fire uh, back when pulmonary artery was uh, exploding. It, like, it was quite. It's pretty crazy. Really. Yeah. Is there a Sussex? Alexis on Fire, like, YouTube video? Yeah, that, yeah, that's the one, yeah. Dude, I've seen that. That's crazy. That was your show. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's kind of an infamous story there, too, because, like, they played that show for free because the first show, actually, the first show was, like, when they were really exploding, and uh, someone convinced them, like, to skip the Sussex show, like, the original show. So there's this whole fiasco yeah. and they came back and played for free, super chill about it. And, uh, but it kind of lives on in infamy, well, kind of lives on in infamy in the scene here. So it's kind of funny, but. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Whoa. It's like, it's like a, it was like a, like a, like a hall, right? Like just like a yeah. Legion or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little, it was a youth center then. So like the town had it set up that if you were under 18, you could rent, rent the venue for 35 bucks in the, the local music store gave us like a PA for $60 or something. So it was like, uh, I mean, they were, they were really supportive of it. Love that. Isn't that something you're trying to get going in Whitby? Like I know you were throwing barn shows for a while, weren't you? Is that, is that, was that something that's happening still? Uh, I wish, uh, there was like a landlord change at the barn. Okay. Um, so we try to play Durham region as much as we, can and as much makes sense and I care to see it grow and for a scene to happen there because it's just a bit disconnected like I just read that there's 700,000 people in Durham region so wow which is basically kind of the greater the suburbs around Oshawa basically okay. you know um and there's just no scene that's sort of connected to each other and there's no you know, constant all ages venue that something can happen and grow in and new bands can start and, mm -hmm. you know, motivate each other. And so there's just nothing there. And 
So the barn, I think, was an attempt at that mm-hmm. and getting that going. And and I think it did kind of get going. Um, and those shows were a blast. And But, yeah, I don't know. We, we just played a festival, funny enough, last weekend in Oshawa. They had a free festival, and it was sweet. And got to be a part of what feels like a first annual Convergence Festival, it was called. Okay. So I think there's there's sort of been a run at it and it's making stuff happen and trying to trying to get some sort of structure going to the build of a community around music. But okay. um, we'll do what uh, we'll like we'll do whatever we can um, and including like I need to just knock on the door of where the house like where the barn was mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to I think coming up and just say can I show you some videos or some pictures and how much to, you know what I mean? I wonder if they would rent it out. Yeah. I wonder who's living, living there now and who the landlord is. I don't, I don't think the landlord needs to know <laughs> what we're doing with the barn. But yeah. And the, the barn, so, they were all ages shows. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. It was no real. The truth is there are no real regulations. <laughs> it was just the barn, <laughs> you know, it was just like come through and, yeah. Well, the all ages scene is so yeah, important, but it's hard think, to maintain. Yeah. Oh, it's true. I know. And I, I think for Durham where real estate is like extremely expensive, mm-hmm. um, we kind of have to kind of get creative and do stuff in unorthodox spaces and whatever, or, I think we just have to sort of knock on the door of the municipality or the province and say, look, there's a missing thing here. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of like sports facility. I wonder if we could have a music, one music facility in the region, you know? Yeah. Um, and if it's some sort of state funded thing, which is everywhere in Europe. Um, so in my opinion, if we're so progressive, we should organize and, you know, as a state here and get something together like that. So Mm -hmm. anyway. Well, no, I agree. I think like, I mean, a sign of a strong society is a bustling arts and culture scene and like art doesn't always economically make sense, but that doesn't mean it's not valuable. Like you're, you're still supposed to promote that sort of process. Like for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, uh, and I think oftentimes, I mean, that's what gets politicians interested is when you start talking about the economic impact of mm-hmm. certain action, you know? So I think often if you've got a festival, for example, I'm sure people drove in for that Convergence Festival in Oshawa, and I'm sure they booked hotels. I'm sure they ate, you know, locally. I'm sure they went to the vintage shop mm-hmm. downtown Oshawa. You know, I think a rising tide kind of lifts all boats. And in a lot of cases, an argument could be made that there's economic advantages to a venue or what, you know what I mean? For a downtown, it just makes it just, it just helps make a downtown cool in my experience. Mm -hmm. So I think it could help Whitby a lot or Oshawa a lot or, you know, um, and, and to get politicians interested, I think they need to hear quite a lot of that stuff yeah um so yeah yeah i think so too maybe a bit of a 
struggle, but yeah. I've been the new venue here, Haven Music Hall. Like I've kind of pitched to them a couple times, like uh, like just open a Patreon or something so people, because there's tons of older people that like were in the scene 20 years ago, but now they're 40. But you know, I would like me right. personally, I would gladly pay two or three bucks a month. Uh, kind of personally eliminates the guilt of maybe not being able to go to as many shows as you want to, but then you're also supporting yeah. supporting the scene. So I don't know if that's an idea for anyone totally. who's listening, but like a, a Patreon supported venue or culture center like that i think would be cool that's cool that is a good idea and just crowdfund if the state fails the funding then yeah Yeah. take it right straight to the people yeah exactly yeah yeah. that's cool yeah and even even if the band members across you know like bands could if it's only a dollar a month or whatever then like even anyone across the country could be supporting it and if you could imagine like a thousand bands or something like giving a dollar, but then they know they're coming there to play a show anyway. They're like helping support their own, their own, uh, touring network. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And it's important that venues like that, when you just mentioned, and you sent me, I think you sent me their Instagram, maybe on, on Instagram. Um, it's important that more of those pop up, of -hmm. course, like, and it makes the tour routing, it makes it make sense Mm -hmm. even more to get out East. You know, I think if artists can be pointing, like, look, this venue just popped up and people are going, like, look at these photos. I saw some photos. I think they had, like, maybe a soft launch or something there, right? Yep. Um, and I saw those photos and I was like, sweet. That's, like, it feels doable in mm-hmm. that case, you know? Extra doable to, like, okay, let's get out there. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, to drive, the basically break the drive up to Halifax, really, right? Like, that's what happened in Sussex back in the day. We were just booking local bands and then all of a sudden our our phone started, this was before like MySpace even, this is like before Facebook and all that, but our phone would just ring, you know, yeah. like bands, like actually the end just like gets a hold of us being like, Hey, we heard there's shows happening in this small town and we got to play somewhere between like Quebec city and Halifax. So. Yeah. That's so cool. Cool. So let's, I want to think about, um, going back to the music a little bit to get out. I know we've been, uh, it's kind of fun talking about the, the scene though, to be honest. Um, yeah. Homemade, uh, homemade Satan kind of has like this like British vibe to it, you know, like I feel like some of the production on it and, and you've done all the albums at the same studio, right? Yeah, exactly. Sugar Shack in London. Sure. Okay. Do yeah. you like the Homemade Satan, which is the one, uh, to be honest, that's the album like I've uh, digested the most and it kind of has like the shoegazy kind of British thing going on. Is that? Yeah. Do you, do you go in it with that vision or is that like, does the engineer help sculpt? the sound of the records or like kind of what's the balance there? Yeah, no, good question. Uh, yeah, we were just listening to the Smith. Like <laughs> and we, we were like, okay, we were just inspired, you know, by just some, you know, Johnny Marr type stuff and, and some stone roses. There's some, uh, we're just like into Manchester, I think at the time. And, and I think with the trilogy, I just wanted to sort of, um, homage or you know whatever to my favorite emotional music okay um so if death lust was like to me the smashing pumpkin is like an amazing emo band you know and i think the smith i, I think i feel the same way really it's like um it's just like a different era of emo um and at times potentially a richer era you know mm-hmm. um so i think with homemade satan it's just like i think we should just uh go this way 
you know, and I've got some lyrics I think would sound sweet over this type of stuff. Um, and I think Flame, the, the first song, just kind of like heard a bunch of that and we just kind of went that route. Um, and, and then, so, and then Suffer Summer, the last record was just sort of like Third Eye Blind and Jimmy Eat World, you know, these are great emo bands that I remember as a teenager mm-hmm. and sort of was inspired by as a teenager to used and whoever, you know, let's go this way for, for that one. So, um, so yeah, we, we sort of prepared everything we want. I think the part where Simon Laura set, I think we were just telling him we want this to sort of be brilliant and, and bright and, you know, um, he mixed it as well. And I think it turned out, he did great work and mm-hmm. um so but it was sort of at the direction the writing it had been written you know what i mean and then we went in and okay and he captured it well so yeah yeah, yeah it's very yeah brilliance is a good word for it shimmering too like it just the high end is just shimmery and the guitar tones are nice and the bass guitar seems to do a lot of heavy lifting when the when there's distortion going on like it's uh yeah it's got a nice cool. vibe to it across all three records really oh sweet well thank you and and Simon would appreciate that too. And yeah, it was cool to sort of return, you know what I mean? For all three of the records, just do it mm-hmm. in a really concerted, like, you know, we've tried at least to, to do it in a concerted way and in like a, okay, in this one building, let's focus, mm-hmm. try to get some time and, and do it. And, um, yeah. Do you give yourself sort of deadlines that. or? Or is it kind of like an on? Uh, like yeah. 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 Cause I often release, well, I release on Friday the 13th. Okay. Um, so I kind of try to work it backwards and, you know, a lot of that has to do with vinyl manufacturing. And if there's delays at vinyl manufacturing, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, how long is vinyl taking? Uh, and that's the deadline, you know, if it's six months out from, Friday the 13th and we need to be on it here and it needs to be in by the state so okay. I gave myself deadlines I kind of broke some of those deadlines and stuff for summer because COVID kept persisting yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. uh, so um, but yeah I've got I've got a bit of a deadline in mind right now I'm just I, I it also just motivates me you know what I mean I, to get to work and and to keep working because mm-hmm. tour feels like a lot of work and then you got, I got, I got to switch gears into like the writing mode or something, you know? Yeah. Um, now, so in the creative, anyway. mode. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, like when you go into creative mode, do you have to kind of like, uh, like, uh, shut out the whole world or do you, do you work on things a couple hours a day? Like what's, what's your process like there? Um, so I'm constantly like putting notes, in my phone, you know, like mm-hmm. lyrical ideas. Okay. Um, and so that's an everyday thing. Like if, if I heard something in this conversation that like a turn of phrase or an idiom or whatever, you know what I mean? I would friggin' write it down and it would be mine now. You know what I mean? And I could maybe, <laughs> so I do that all the time. If I hear something in a movie or whatever, you know, yeah. so that's constant. But then I have to, I'm lucky, like, there's an old, like, small family home that's up 
Fenland Falls, Ontario. Okay. Um, that I've gone up usually in the winter when there's just nobody up or around Fenland Falls. Um, and I go up usually like a Monday to a Friday and just block out the world as best as I can. And step one is kind of going through my notes. Okay. Um, and just sourcing stuff and organizing lyrics. Um, and I just build off a theme and just try to like draw lines back to the theme, you know, in the lyrics. So there's some common thread. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, lyric, it's always just lyrics first and sort of theme first and even like song title first, you okay. know, it's how I've been doing the latest one. Like before the music um, even? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's how it's been. And I think that's probably how it'll be. And there's a lot of sensitivity to like making sure the lyrics are all as strong as they can be. And it's sort of as witty as I can manage them to be and push them to be and whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's step one anyway. And then comes the music. Okay. You know? So do you, yeah. do you like sculpt the lyrics when a melody comes around or like, does that just kind of fall into place? Like the melody seem to align with the, uh, like the syllables you've chosen. Yeah. There's some, there's, there's finessing for sure. Like, um, you know, I, I think, okay, does this of need to be there? Does this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It kind of sacrificed some words here and there, you know, yeah. um, to make the syllables happen. But yeah, I, the melody, sometimes the melody does come first mm-hmm. and then I have to sort of fit lyrics around it. But there's been some magic moments where, I don't know, songwriting to me often feels like, whoa, am I in control here? Like, how did that fit? Yeah. Um, which I'm obsessed with. Like, those chasing those moments and those moments happening again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and even when a riff comes together on the first track, actually real world on suffer summer, I wrote with my buddy, Stefan Babcock and, and he sort of played this riff and I had a voice memo in my phone that fit like so perfectly with this riff that he, he had never heard the voice memo. I had never heard the riff and I wrote the melody and the lyric. Cool. And they sit together. It was like, how, I don't know how that happened, yeah. but it happened. And it, it feels Truman showy sometimes. <laughs> like, is somebody fucking filming this? What the hell? Yeah. Like, or who's this from? It doesn't even feel from us at that point. It's uh-huh. just like some, you know what I mean? Yeah. It feels uh, crazy. So it's happened that there's been 10 of those or 15 of those moments where it's like, oh, holy shit. Whoa, this, that's sweet. This yeah. is ours? It's like, <laughs> whoa, we get to it now? Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? It's, uh-huh. it's kind of crazy. So, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's like you're just, I'm sometimes it's to like get an into antenna. That totally. That's cool. That's a good way of putting that. It's totally that. So, so I'm putting the, I'm putting the, what do you call them? Rabbit ears. I'm putting the antennas up now. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to find, I'm trying to get into that. I can't do stuff. I can't do stuff casually. You know what I mean? Like I need to go up north and mm-hmm. I need to get into some sort of deep work mm-hmm. and some other sort of state. I can't really just go in the other room. I'm afraid that disruption will throw it all off. Yeah. Um, so, you know, disrupt the signal if it's an <laughs> antenna, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I th- I think you're right. Uh, that's that's a good way to put it. I think a lot of people, um, I mean, anyone in general, I think can can kind of benefit from disconnecting and going away for a few days and just just seeing what their antennas pick up. But creative people, I think, especially um, benefit from that. Totally, exactly. And just the discipline. I think now it's like okay, I like being home. I like the fall. Mm-hmm. So I need to just. I need to not. I need to keep working now. You know. Um, I need to just find the time to get up north this winter, really, and get to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll happen. But. It's, is, it, is it helpful having a creative partner as well? Or, can, or do you guys, does it go the other way where you two can, like, help each other procrastinate? Oh, no, she works so hard, and I've watched her work so hard. Um, not to sort of leak any info or whatever, but she has a new record, and... I watched her record all those vocals herself. I watched her just like work so hard on it. And I think it motivates me to, you know, keep it going, keep my stuff going and and work hard. So she is so busy. She keeps herself so busy. We have sort of different personalities in that way. She's up in the morning. She's just going for it. She fills her day and she is so productive. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm productive. I think in a different way where like, I like to have naps as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like I like to work, 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 and then I crash, and then I get out and keep going. And uh, she motivates me, and seeing her work ethic is um, inspiring. Even you know, so it, yeah, I'm grateful to have a creative partner to to do that. Yeah, keep cool. myself sharp. Yeah. Okay. And actually, you know, just the other, so I was re-listening to Suffer uh, Suffer Summer um, last night, and I started to notice all these like. Uh, and I was using like my better headphones, my studio headphones, and I noticed all these female vocals in the background. Is that it, like it seemed to be everywhere? I didn't notice it before. Is that is that yeah. her singing or is that someone in the band? Yeah, that's Lonea. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think she came in one day. Her parents live in London, Ontario. Okay. Um, so sometimes I'd have you know these sessions with Simon and. Mm-hmm. I think just one of the days we were like, "Yo, you mind like throwing." these harmonies on she's so good at writing harmonies and, and just nailing them to my voice and uh anyway she came in did it and nailed it and we were like oh we're gonna need you to <laughs> sing all over this i think <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah that's hilarious uh it was just pure like it was she did such a good job we yeah. were like needed it everywhere so yeah it was funny yeah so that there'll probably be more of that. Cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds great. Yeah. It's nice and supportive sounding. And like I said, I did the first couple of listens. I didn't really, I mean, I could hear the harmonies, but I didn't really catch that. It was kind of like a female timbre. And then just last night I was like, Hey, wait a minute. This doesn't sound like a, this sounds like there's a, there's a female singing. <laughs> yeah, totally. I know she's good. And it, I think I, I, I like the way we sound together, you know? So I want to, it's a pretty good resource to, yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Share a yeah. bed with her. <laughs> share with you have an unfair, unfair advantage, yeah. maybe. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so thinking about, um, let's just, just take a different topic here just for a second. Yeah. So am I right in understanding you went to Berkeley College of Music for a little bit? I did, yeah. Well, yeah. Did you? Did research. Did, is that... So I guess, what am I trying to say here? Some people, um, hmm, when they're in the arts, they don't necessarily want to like do anything 
corporate or what's the right word? Like they're worried about learning the business side of things. Maybe that's the way to think about it. Is but you must have yeah. got some valuable um like business information from from pursuing an education like that. Yeah, for sure. I think I think I just wanted to speak the language of those who sort of um just those industry nerds mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. I was in a major label situation that wasn't good. Okay. Um and I felt like I couldn't speak their language. I didn't speak their language. Uh-huh. Okay. Didn't know the terms. I think I just wanted to know sort of the rough terms even of a deal mm-hmm. so that I can know what a good deal was yeah. and what a bad deal was, you mm-hmm. know? And if I'm hiring a lawyer to, you know, sharpen the points of these deals, I want to be able to talk shop with them and make it, you know, into the best possible thing for me and the people I work with. So, um, I guess I just didn't want to be in the dark in the industry. You know, I wanted to have a sort of second go at the industry, uh, in a way that I could just play ball. Okay. Um, and not get taken advantage of and, and mess up. Mm -hmm. So I think that was my thought is okay. I've got a bit of advanced money from this major label deal. And I was just like, let me just reinvest it really. Berkeley wasn't cheap. Um, and as an international student too, it wasn't cheap. And I was like, okay, let me just invest this. And so I can keep up, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. and I think it didn't really ruin any of the, I get, we, there's sort of a mystical thing about, that, that maybe school ruins at times. I think with music, it can happen. If people go and study it, it takes some of the mystery and the coolness and the unknown out. Mm-hmm. But I sort of think for like the actual industry part, it's helpful for artists to know a bit what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I manage, I manage chastity and I think I feel um, like a capable manager and I feel like I represent myself best. Okay. Um, and I'm the point person. I, I tour manage, you know, the project I, I'm able to like sort of outsource these things to myself, you know, and I'm not, it doesn't cost me extra. Yeah. You know, I'm not paying a commission on myself. So, mm-hmm. um, it's been helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, yeah. So, I mean, you're not giving points away to anyone, for example, or you're not like, I mean, you hear stories of bands or musicians accidentally signing away their publishing, not really understanding like what that means for their cash flow in the future and that sort of stuff. And uh, like exactly. understanding even personal finance, if you want to make a go at arts, like if you can get an understanding of personal finance, um, I mean, that can help you uh, obviously support yourself. Like if you understand how that the money's coming and going, you can, you can make better decisions on what you need and what you should be doing. Yeah, totally. Exactly. So I think that was what I was thinking. Like, there's some pressure, right? Like on, and, and rightfully so, I think I see now, but even just from family members being like, okay, like what is your plan financially here? Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in the music business, you know, and it's a good question. It turns out. And so I think I wanted to like, know, like, okay, am I able, am I going to be able to move out and pay rent and, you know, yep. um, be able to do this. And with some longevity, let me find out, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to find out like, how does that happen in a, in a sort of working class musician kind of way, mm-hmm. you know, and it turns out if you play 
in a guitar, a distorted guitar band, <laughs> you have to tour a lot yeah. and you have to sell a lot of t-shirts, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to find out for yourself how, you know, you need to just go out and, you know, set up the lemonade stand. That <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah, and yeah. do it. So. Yeah. I remember our, after our first tour, we came home and I, I realized like, oh, wait a minute, we're kind of like a tra- traveling clothing store and our music's like yeah. advertising our t-shirts. So we better make sure we yeah. love our t-shirt designs. Uh, I mean, we love, we love our music. We love the music for sure, but we better make sure our, our t-shirts make us happy because that's, <laughs> we're kind of a traveling clothing store. Yeah, exactly. I know. I joke with my bandmates that I'm a, I'm in the t-shirt business. <laughs> like, and it's kind of, it's a bit true. Yeah. Like it, it, it keeps it going. And, and I think, I sort of think like fans of music have come to realize that. And uh, there's been some goodwill to go to the merch stand after the show is done. You know what I mean? And and it kind of keeps it all going. So, yeah. 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 I mean, you can tell some kids, they, they buy the hoodie knowing that that's like, here's the big sale. Like, I know this is going to help them out big time. Plus it's important to remember too, like music is about transferring a feeling, right? Like making someone feel something. So when they Mm, buy that t-shirt or that hoodie, that can remember, they can remember that feeling forever, really, right? So it's it's not just the clothing, really. It's kind of like there's a feeling and an emotion embedded in that purchase. That's cool. That's really well put. It's true. And 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 on the surface level too, it's um, just a memento or something. You know, it's like a it's like a souvenir mm-hmm. from the gig too, right? It's like yeah. It's even when they buy the tape. You know, they buy a tape. I'm like, what on earth are you going to do with this tape? Yeah. But it's just the cheapest souvenir of of the spread, you know? Mm. So Yeah, Yeah, I completely agree. Even like pins, because some people jump into the scene when they're younger or, you know, and then life happens and they they don't necessarily stay involved in like the local punk scene. But, you know, fast forward 20 years and they're digging through their their stuff. And, uh, you know, that means a lot. Again, it comes back around and it, it can mean a lot. It can mean even more the second time around, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, uh, it's been about an hour. I don't want to take up uh, too much of your time, Brandon. I know uh, I appreciate you hanging out here and just kind of chatting about everything. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. And, and I appreciate your insight on, yeah, just the culture and, and especially out east. And it sounds like we listen to a lot of the same bands. So it's just cool to get to talk to you. And hopefully we can do this in person sometime too, you know, and yeah, down the road. And That'd be awesome. So. We, uh, here at the radio station, we're trying to do like more live acoustic sets. I don't know if that's ever something you'd be interested if you're passing through, but we can kind of, maybe we could line it up where you do like an acoustic set, an interview, and then also get you into the new, the new venue, Haven Music Hall when it opens. Yeah. would love that. Yeah. Are you going to be promoting out of there or is, is there sort of, do they just do stuff in-house at the, at the venue and. Yeah, so they, they want to open it up to promoters. They're doing like, so far, they they haven't done like an official, it's open full-time kind of launch yet, but they have a show in October. And then um, I have been in touch with them, so they haven't given me the details yet. But short answer, yeah, they're going to open it up to outside promoters. So I would, I'm, and I've been kind of anxious to get back into promoting. It's It's been a number of years, but um, I'd like to give yeah. it a shot. Totally. Well, you've got it crazy experience with a lot of the classics so it's yeah it's cool you would be an amazing resource it sounds like to to them and they sound like an amazing resource that they've absolutely you know invested in the community and done that so yeah wish you all the best and and yeah i really appreciate this and yeah 
Yeah. Let's link up in person next time. It all sounds sweet. So absolutely. Yeah. Congrats with all... on the gig there. Oh, yeah. thanks. Yeah. No, and, um, absolutely. And, and congrats on the new album. It's, it's obviously, so I know it's the last year, but it's still like, it's still a fresh album. And a lot of people probably hear from the first time after this conversation, at least a lot of people in, in my orbit. And, um, yeah, cool. I'd love to, I'd love to nerd out too, but like underground operations was a huge, huge part of my life growing up too. We didn't, I didn't really get to bring that up, but, uh, maybe in person, sometimes we can nerd out about that whole era. Dude, I'd love to. I loved that. I loved a lot of those bands. So, and yeah, that was my sort of portal into a lot of punk stuff, you know, with Closet Monster and Bombs yeah. Over Providence and, you know, Bombs I Hate Slave. Sally. And oh, it was, yeah, it was a good era. Like, so. It was, yeah, it was yeah, so good. Let's do that next time. Absolutely. I'm so yeah. down. So I remember, yeah, I remember Mark Spicolic, uh, or he went by London at the time, but he handed me. Um, the seven inch for Search for Truth by Protest the Hero before a calculated use of sound was even out. And I was like, what the hell is this, man? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Love that. So good, man. Well, yeah, it's a classic, just Canadian staple. Absolutely. So that made its way, I think, around the world, too, in a way. So yeah, definitely. That's cool. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. I'll, um, I'll send you those links, too. I'll send you some, uh, I'll send you a list of sweet uh, New Brunswick bands and, and we can keep in touch for sure. Okay, amazing. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, hanging out. Of course. Okay, take care.